What else? Four. Then there's four. Yeah, we started out John 4 last week, so we went through like 40, I think. 45, I think is what we did. Anybody remember what we did? What else we talked about? Anybody remember the challenge from last week? What was it, Elizabeth? Because I don't remember. <laughs> I used to pray a more in-depth prayer oh. before you Oh, great snack or food Before you snack or food. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Layla, I haven't seen you do that. I said I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I just admitted it. She's ratted out by the juice. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll be paying attention to how you do on this challenge. Right. Uh-oh. It's okay. We'll be accountability. I just, I just eat too much. <laughs> Hannah knows how I feel. I eat a lot. So, did anybody do that this week? I did really good the first day. I, yeah. I was just saying, I did really good the first really couple of days. And, then, yeah. and then it was like once a day. More intentional. Yeah, I feel like that was me too. I, I trailed, definitely trailed off um, there at the end. But early last week, there was a wild story, guys. Um, you didn't happen to meet him, did you? Probably not, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't know what he looked like in a while. So after we left... Um, I grabbed Taco Bell because I'm me. And so <laughs> so we left last week on Monday night, and then um, I went through Taco Bell drive through and then as I was driving back, there was like this whole Matrix event happening with the lights, and I was like, ooh, That's I like the Matrix. Matrix. I'll just go to the end. And I went to like where the last flickering light was, and then I parked in a parking lot where there was one flickering light in an entire empty parking lot, and I was like, okay, I'll just be chill here. And then right before I took a bite of my delicious uh, Taco Bell quesadilla, this is not sponsored by Taco Bell, but um, anyhow, uh, I feel, felt like I shouldn't mention that. And um, right before I took a bite, I I was like, okay, I got to do this whole praying thing. So I prayed for a little while. I was like, hey, God, like, tell me what you want me to do. Guide me in your direction. Because we talked about that as well, just like following the direction that God has for us as opposed to the direction that we have for ourselves. And so I, uh, I did that. I waited in his presence for a little while, ate my delicious Taco Bell meal. And then I was like, all right. Let's peel out. And so I left, and then there was somebody on the side of the road, and I'm like, all right, yep, I'm a sucker for trouble. Like, you know, helping people out on the side of the road, this is how people die, right? 1030 at night. Um, so I get out, and it's a pretty big, pretty big guy. And uh, and he's and I'm like, do you need any help? He's like, yes, yes, I do. And I'm like, all right. And I'm, I'm like, this could be the end. <laughs> how awesome would that be? And so I get out. I'm like, hey, what, what can I... Uh, What's, what's the problem? He's like, well, I can't, I can't start it. I think I need to jump. I'm like, okay. Um, he's like, any, I was like, any idea what happened? He's like, I think it happened because I didn't pray today. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> You're not going to believe where I just came from. And I was like, I just came from Bible study. He's like, what? Are you serious? He's, and uh, I was like, yeah, I think God wanted me to help. He's like, no, God didn't. You don't think. I know. Man. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be awesome. So, Ended up jumping his car. It took a little while. Um, very helpful that my battery is in my trunk. It's like, what a stupid like car-making decision. But my battery's in my trunk. So, like, very easy to run jumper cables to somebody's when they're pulled over the side of the road. You don't have to turn all the way around, that whole thing. But, um, yeah, so it was a good time. And I told him about the cause, which is Jackie's Church, because it's in Columbia, and we were in Columbia, and it's just closer. So, yeah. So hopefully he, uh, he turns up. His name is Chris. It was really, really... Thank you. All right, well, that's what happened. That's actually the <laughs> short version. As everybody here knows, I am not uh, known for my short stories. Okay, I'm proud. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> Anyhow, 
So that's like how I did on the challenge. Great on day one, and then the rest of it was kind of uh, sparse. But we are in John 4. We're going to start in 46 uh, to 54. Does anybody want to read that? What did you say? I forgot John 4, 46 to 54. Okay. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judah, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. What sticks out to you about that so far? What sticks out to you about verse 48? What Jesus, the first thing Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sounds like a lack of faith. How about them apples? Anything else stick out to you guys? Uh, On the contrary, in verse 50, Jesus says, uh, Go, your son will live. The man just took Jesus at his word and left. So. Yeah. The. Wow. We're like a a ghost town all of a sudden (laughs) in the Wild West. I love it. Um, Yeah, so one of the commentaries that I was reading, and I'm just going to kind of gloss over it now because I realize it's like a lot um, that I copied and pasted here but was that like it seemed like the man took his time back he wasn't like super stressed that his son was going to die on his way back because um, he um, he didn't like just run back home he was like because he was leaving at 1pm and it wasn't saying that he like walked through the night or anything like that that was like the interpretation no idea how accurate that is uh, but that's what the commentary said um, but this guy is a, a really rich guy. So there's a lot that you could think about, like that he could have sent a servant um, to go find Jesus and ask him to come or something like that. Um, or beckon him for, like, you know, this is a pretty rich guy. It could He could be, like, great in power. He could be great in just wealth. Um, but you would think that he would do something else, but it just goes to show Uh, to me how much he cares about his son and um, the urgency that the situation had Um, yeah anything else stick out to you guys about this particular portion that verse um, made me think of Luke Luke, John 14 11 um, that was one of the verses that I'm going through in this 40 day Lent 
plan. It says, just believe that I am the Father, or that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. And what stuck out to me about that and what I'm reminded of here is the, the idea that Jesus knows, is well aware of our human capacity to believe based on the things that we can see. And so when he says, well, you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders, I just imagine it being more of like a like a sigh of resignation almost. Like, I know that you need signs and wonders, but like I really wish you could just believe in me. But it, it goes together because what Zach pointed out, the Zach pointed out about um, like him just taking Jesus at his word and going, like it's twofold. He knows that we work off of what we can see, and a lot of times that's what gets us in the door of faith, I think. But at the same time, your faith grows from there, and you don't need signs and wonders as much to just believe and trust in the who of God is and not what he's doing for you or what he has done. I think it's interesting um, I mean almost all of the other examples we see of Jesus doing miracles and healing people he always like puts his hands on them mm-hmm. and in this one it's just like telepathic mm-hmm. um, so I just I don't know I think that's really interesting that like this is the situation in which he chooses to get a little extra metaphysical as it were mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't know the transaction between them is just so quick. He's just like, yeah. go, your son's healed. The end, like, yeah. the story's it's over. He's like, cool. He's like, okay, cool. And then he just pieces the, out. Um, there's, there's a lot of similarity between this and what we're going to get into in John 5, I think, uh, in the first story in John 5. Um, but yeah, it reminds me also of Lazarus. And it just, it goes to show how, like... Um, I think they thought Jesus was so geographically bound. Um, and that his, like, his, his powers, for the lack of a better term, were, were tied to where he was. Because uh, Mary ends up saying later, uh, if you'd only been here, Lazarus would still be alive, was the kind of thing. And, and that is where Jesus wept. And there's a bunch of questions as to why Jesus wept. Um, and that's way too far above my pay grade to know the answer to that, whether or not it was because uh, people didn't have the faith that he had hoped they would have, whether it was because he wept for Lazarus's death. No idea. Uh, what I do know is Lazarus has been dead for four days, and he tells him to come out of the tomb, and then Lazarus walks out. Um, pretty cool part. Pretty coolest part of the story, I think. Um, but it wasn't his, Jesus's authority doesn't, isn't tied to his geographical location, which we'll get into in chapter 5. Does anybody else have any other notes on the end of Florida? I think I think it's interesting that, like, Jesus says, like, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. But, like, this official, like, heard about Jesus and, like, came running from a different city, not close. Yeah. Just because he heard Jesus was there. So it's, like, an interesting contrast of, like, he's basically like accusing him of not believing and yet this man showed up because he does believe at the same time Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of the story where um the other guy asks for his son to be healed 
and Jesus says something about belief, and then he says, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And it's like that same like contrast where it's like, we believe, but do we really? And like God yeah. like, calls us out on it. But like he came from a far way to, to see Jesus, and then this is Jesus' kind of response. Yeah. And yet he still like persists in pursuing the healing. But if this guy had really believed that Jesus was, was the Son of God, he would have just prayed about it instead of running all the way to find Jesus. But this is pretty early in Jesus' ministry. So. Pretty early. I think the disciples also struggled with that one at this point in time. But yes, that's well, praying wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah, it wasn't as introduced. Um, I what I find the most interesting is how it all kind of ties together because it's Jesus, right? So he says, "Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe." And then he's like, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoke to him and went on his way. Um, It says that he believed that portion of what Jesus had to say. Not that he believed Jesus was who he says he was, who said he was, or anything like that. But in verse 53, it says, the father knew that this was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. So that's when he gets like the ultimate buy-in, which is after see the sign and wonder. It's very interesting, right? Um, I feel like that's us a lot of time in our life. We wait until we see something big, and then uh, it happens. And and um, and that's when it's that, like, aha click moment in our heads. We're like, oh, God's been doing this the whole time. I'm so dumb. That's at least what I think all the time. Because I'm like, oh, snap, God's been working behind the scenes. It's almost like he's God. There's, a, there's another story in Luke 7 about the centurion who comes to Jesus asking him to heal his son. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house. And he's like, I, I'm not worthy to have you come to my house. Just say the word and my son will be healed. Mm-hmm. And, he, and Jesus does. So it's very similar to this story. Yeah. Excellent. Anything else before we move on to John 5? Speak now, forever hold your peace. John 5 it is. All right, so this one, I've got quite a few notes on this because I love, this is one of my favorite Bible stories. So we'll go with uh, whoever wants to read 1 through 9. I'll start with that. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there... Wait. Sorry, could you read verse 4 again? I don't have a... There's no verse 4. That was a trick question. uh, Because probably nobody here is written KJV. So, fun fact, I want to get into that real quick. Mine's Uh, the subscript. Yeah, it's in the subscript, or it's in the notes, uh, depending on what you're reading. There's Sometimes there's three dots oh, by yeah. the little version. version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the reason for this is because there are a bunch of different manuscripts for the ancient Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew that the Bible's written in, and um, nobody's really sure what is the original, quote-unquote. Um, and so if there's a lot of inconsistencies or it doesn't kind of fit, they try to put it in a note. Um, and the KJV is what the verses, when the verses all came into existence. There weren't verses and chapters and things like that. So they put a bunch of arbitrary numbers in there, but they didn't want to... When they started making new ver- uh, 
not new versions of the Bible, but like started translating it um, from more and had more manuscripts to go off of. They wanted to try and be the most accurate they could. So that's the reason for that. Sorry, continue. Just wanted to, to make sure to frame that. One of the men lying there had been six, six or 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he, he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this sap, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Fantastic. There is a lot that happened in those nine verses. Yeah. So what do you guys think? I actually just heard um, a while ago, like a few months ago, at um, another church I was going to with my aunt for a while, they did um, a Sunday message on this story, and it was all about, like, the, it was revolved around the question, do you want to get well? Because you can really think about that. Like, Jesus is asking, I mean, they put it in the Bible, that's how or important it was. But Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? And the guy's like feeling sorry for himself. Like, I can't. You don't understand. No one's taking me down the water. I can't get well. Right. And Jesus is like, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, like, I just really think it's interesting that Jesus asked, like, do you want to get well? Because I just take that as, like, sometimes we just are so stuck feeling sorry for ourselves and just, like, you know, woo me and, like, boo-hoo, and I'm so sad and nobody can heal me. And Jesus is like, do you want to get well? Like, you know I'm the answer, you know I'm the truth, you know I'm the life, and I can heal you, but yeah. you just come to me, you know, like, so, I mean, that's interesting. And so what's the implication, because Jesus asked, do you want to be well, but what, in the sick man's response, I think you can get a pretty good implication of what the sick man thinks is required to be healed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Any question? What's the implication? What does the sick man think is required? in order for him to be healed. He needs to get into the water. He needs to be in the water, right, when it's stirred up. So the, imp- the implication is that the only way to get healed is through that, that pool, right? And he can never get in fast enough because it's only the first person that gets in or whatever. That's at least context that the uh, fake verse 4 slash real verse 4 slash figure it out. Anyway. Somebody else smarter than me. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, so that's the implication, right? Is that he has to be the first one to get in. But Jesus' question is, do you want to be healed? He doesn't answer with a, yes, of course I want to be healed. Um, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of doing my best over here, but I can't. I can't get into the pool myself. Um, and so Jesus' response is, you know, Lazarus, come out, right? Like, <laughs> Lazarus is dead. What, what's he supposed to do about it, right? But he's like, hey, get up, take your bed and walk. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself so much, but anyhow, uh, I'm going to, I need to stay in a verse. Uh, so in, in, uh, six through nine, I, I just love that whole interaction where, um, Jesus sees him lying there and he, and that he'd already been there a long time. And so Jesus already knows these things about him and says, do you want to be healed? The sick man answers, sir, I don't, I don't have anybody to put me in the well. And then verse eight, when he's like, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Just complete obedience. I do exactly what he tells me to do. Um, And this happened to be on the Sabbath. That's a little 
footnote there at the end. But what I noticed is that the man listened right away. Like he didn't, it didn't seem like he went back and forth with them. Um, he also didn't cry over spilled milk. So like he was an invalid for 38 years and he didn't ask, hey, why didn't you come, you know, 38 years ago or, or anything like that. I think oftentimes we can be, su- we can subject ourselves to the mindset of like, well, why would you let me go through this? Or, or why would you let these things happen to me? Instead of picking up our mat and obeying. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, another thing to keep in mind is that, I mean, after 38 years of like not being able to walk, now he has yeah. to like learn a skill and find a job and like his mm-hmm. entire life has completely changed. <laughs> yeah. Because this guy came along and healed him, which yeah. is like awesome, but also presents a completely new set of challenges yeah. for him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's easy to be defeated. I can't imagine what it would be like to be stuck not being able to do anything for 38 years and then of course you're going to grow like defeated of course you're going to you're going to feel like you can't do anything um and that you have no chance um but he's still like he's still holding out hope and trying by just i guess napping by the pool um doing what he can but um but he doesn't have a whole lot of options there's nothing else for him to do he doesn't have right he's out of options um so yeah, what do you guys think of the entirety of that passage? Any other notes? Well, it reminds me of the story where the group of friends bring the paralyzed man up on the roof. Mm-hmm. They cut a hole in it, essentially, and drop him down because they can't get through the crowd. Same thing, stand up, pick up your mat. What's easier, to forgive sin or to tell this man to get up and and walk, and so it reminds me of that story, but it also reminds me the similarity between needing people in both of those situations. The paralyzed man in that story needed his friends to help him get to Jesus, and this this sick man needs help to get into the pool. He needs people, and we see in this story, like, no one does that. There's He's got no one. He's got no one to help him get healed in this case but no one except Jesus and Jesus again you know we see multiple places in the Bible like taking that step like every time he heals with touch like what Emma mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. that's him reaching out to those people that are in need some people that probably you know people with leprosy outcasts anybody that that no one else is going to touch Jesus goes to that place and he meets them where they are just like Jesus meets this person in his defeat, in his, like, I can't, in his, like, utter just disappointment with his life, I can ima- at least I can imagine, you know, obviously doesn't say all that, but, yeah. and he's brought up out of it because of who he encountered, and it just makes me think about how much more, as believers, like, when people encounter us, they should be encountering somebody who is reaching out to them, meeting them where they are, wanting to wanting to help, not ignore or deny somebody or be that person that's like, no, I don't want to talk to you, you know, which is is hard sometimes, but yeah. But it's because of Christ in us. 
before we take it from 10 to 17? Um, I think for me, I like the part in verse 9 where he's like, like you mentioned, like he just, he listens to God and does it right away. And I feel like for me, that's like mm-hmm. something I'm working on. But of course it's hard because you're like, well, I've been here for 38 years. Like how can I just get healed from picking up my mat and going? So I feel like that was just really cool faith that he had. He just did it right away and like didn't hesitate and he got healed. So. Yeah. Immediate obedience. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's like a literal leap of faith. Like, get up. Just, okay. Yeah. Super sorry. I forgot uh, that we didn't have as much meet and greet time. This is Sharon, guys, yeah. and this is Caitlin. Hi. For those of you that haven't uh, met either of them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys get a chance to chat with our, newbie, our newbies uh, more later. But, anyhow, just wanted to make sure to introduce the, the newcomers. Emma, you're not a newcomer anymore, so get ready. Um, the newcomer still needs to know her name. Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Um, all right, who wants 10 through 17? I can read it. Go for it. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that the man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said, who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, and nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Okay. So a lot of things have Jesus happened. Scurry away. <laughs> this <laughs> into the crowd. <laughs> this entire story is one of my favorites because of the bizarre kind of nature that when you start to like put the piece together and you're like, Well, wow, that is a little bit strange. So um so they say to the man, effectively the religious leaders, because that's what mine mine says the Greek word means like specifically refers to Jewish leaders or whatever. Um so they say it's a Sabbath, you're not allowed to be doing that. And he's like, hey, take it up with management. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what you want from me. I've been laying on the ground for 38 years, and uh, now I'm not. So that's what he told me to do. And then... What exactly are they implying when they just say it's forbidden for you to carry your mat? Well, so there were a lot of rules. Um, and there still, there still are a lot of rules for the Jewish people. So, like, the, for the Orthodox Jewish people, they can't, like, turn on their car. You can't do anything. You can't do any work, any work on the Sabbath. So that goes. You cannot, you know, gather food. You can't tend to animals. You, there's literally nothing that you can do on the Sabbath. So from right. sundown on Friday to sundown on Sunday, you cannot do anything 
that requires exertion of work. You can get up and get dressed, and you spend the day praying and studying the Bible and like resting. But you can't do any work. So you can't carry things. You can't lift stuff. Nothing. So why would picking up your mat? Because that's that's work. It's work picking it up. They they got rather. Hey, you beautiful beautiful man. Um. So. Yeah. So any amount, anything that could constitute as work, like, like I said, turning on your car. You can drive your car on this app. You just can't turn it on. It's just oh, there's a lot of bizarre rules that were obviously not in the Bible but that have been added in afterwards to say, all right, well, this constitutes work, but this does not, and things like that, just to, to play it on the safe side, um, for, for the lack of a better term. So, so effectively, carrying his bed would be considered work, because you're not supposed to do that. Um, so, you're like, all right, who's, who's had to do that? Um, and then this is, this is one of the, the best parts to me, because he's like, I, I can just imagine the, his mindset. Now, the man did not, who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in place. And he's... It's weird. Like, I just, I can't imagine, like, not being able to walk for 38 years, and he's like, hey, pick up your mat and, you know, go home. And he's like, all right. And then like, he's like five steps away, and he's like, Wait, hold up. Who was that? Yeah, can, you, <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, telling the story, like... This guy just came out of nowhere, yeah. and he just, like, healed it's me. Like, they're like, okay, what guy? And he's like... They're like, they're like um, well, uh, it wasn't exactly, like, a conversation. There were a lot of people there, and, like, it wasn't exactly best place for conversation, you know? Or it's And it's like that, um, I just feel like I see that little kid that, like, wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> That's just what I think. Anyhow, um... But yeah, so he's like, oh, th- well, there wasn't exactly like a great chance to chat. Um, and then afterward, Jesus finds him and, and sees him. He's like, hey, nice, nice that your your legs work again. Uh, don't be doing that sinning anymore, so that your legs don't stop, so that you don't stop, have something worse happen to you. And then can you can you like he just like comes out of the crowd and like gives this like it's kind of, kind of feels threatening. Right? <laughs> it's just like don't do it. Well, it's kind of like you know what will happen. It kind of is. Yeah. I don't know if it's a John MacArthur quote, but it, it reminds me of that quote where it's like, be killing your sin or it will be killing you. And mm-hmm. I feel like Jesus is just like, yeah. screw around and find out, man. Yeah. Like, well, and it, it is, it's the truth though. Like, the the punishment of sin is substantially worse than the punishment of not having anything physical in this life. We know that to be true. So, the... <laughs> It, it does sound very threatening because I think it is, <laughs> but it, it's it's a sobering kind of thought of like, hey, uh, so you know how you want working legs? Yeah, that's great, uh, but you're only going to be here for so long, and it's much more important to have these things um, than working legs. Um, I think that um, did I know? No, go for it. I think that God uses. Um, pain to show mercy often mm-hmm. and um, like for example this guy was on the ground for 38 years but it's a story that we're reading today of how Jesus can heal and all that so it might have not been like an, a good idea for like his will for his life like obviously you don't want to be on the ground for 38 years waiting to be healed but it's it was God's <coughs> will so that we he could be healed so it was a sign that we can see that God heals and all that and then 
he's saying like stop sinning or something worse may happen so like that pain that happened was him showing mercy because then he got healed and he was like this like that was pure mercy and grace like Jesus didn't have to heal him that guy didn't do anything to deserve to be healed we don't deserve to be saved from by the cross but it's just pure mercy <coughs> and grace by God and so I think that sometimes when like bad things happen that we consider bad or hurtful in our lives sometimes he's using pain to show mercy like mm. examples like this you know like that one guy that was blind or I think it was a guy that was blind in the Bible I don't know exactly where but he was mm-hmm. like what did I do to deserve to be blind and he was like like you didn't deserve it but look what I can do through you because you were blind I can heal you and others can see that I healed you and you know so sometimes like I just think of how people say, like, he'll do more than we could ask or even imagine. Like, he's God. We cannot think like him. We can't think the way he's thinking. We don't know what he's doing, but he's intentional, and it doesn't always look like the way that we think it would look like, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, he's God, and you're not. So, like, yeah. get over whatever your, your preconceived <laughs> So stop yeah. sinning or something worse will happen. Exactly. Love the takeaway. Love the takeaway. I wonder what, like, the rest of the crowd of paralyzed people there are actually a bajillion things that I wonder about that situation like how many like I would assume most of the people there were being completely legitimate I would say almost all but like were there any fraud frauds in there like just trying to there's a huge crowd well are there is there anybody trying to take advantage of this pool this this magic pool that every once in a while gets stirred up, like, hey, if, if it helps a lame person walk again, maybe it, you know, gives me double superpowers. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the thought process is of these people, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that I wonder. And then there, you know, like, what did people think about people that hung out at the pool? Like, oh, those conspiracy theorists think it's actually going to work or whatever. Like, you know, there's just so many things that I wonder about society back then. But that is for another conversation. Um, so the man goes away and he tells the Jews that it was Jesus that healed him. And then verse 16, this is, this is one of my biggest highlights here. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And then Jesus replies, uh, hey, my dad's working right now, and I'm also working. Um, so the... This reminds me of a story. I just met you yesterday, so I'm very sorry, Caitlin, but I'm going to tell a story that you told me yesterday. Okay. Um, so Caitlin's boyfriend is in the Army. Long story. Uh, he's out with a friend, right? You remember the story that you told me yesterday? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So he's out with a friend who is, like, self-professed Catholic, mm-hmm. but doesn't really go to church or anything like that yeah my my whole thing is there's a difference between religion and relationship with jesus so he is religious but um from shane and i my boyfriend and i's point of view there's no relationship you can i feel like you can discern when the spirit in somebody and they're that's they're that's lacking so continue <laughs> well i mean it's your story more than it's mine it's not even your story so this is like fifth hand information at this point but we're gonna keep going with it um but anyhow, they were out to dinner, and he mm-hmm. forgot that he was Catholic there for a minute, and he ate meat on not a Friday, mm-hmm. and that was a whole thing. He's like, he was super bummed out, mm-hmm. to quote your boyfriend, to quote you, to quote your boyfriend. <laughs> it's like that Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> quote. This is getting really bad here. Um, 
gave him a telephone. But but he was really bummed out because he's a Catholic and he oh man, like, can't believe I eat meat. And he's like, hey, you don't even go to church. <laughs> like you don't have effectively like you don't even have any resemblance of the light of Jesus in your life. Like why is eating meat on a Wednesday your biggest concern? Like your biggest concern is is uh, your where your life is and the intent of your heart and things like that and where your heart your heart is at. And so that was that was really where where Jesus came in because Jesus was worried about the 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 heart and the Pharisees were worried about the details. And uh, I had my verse and I didn't write it down. But like effectively like, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That's John fifteen ten or something like that. Don't don't look it up right now. It's probably ten fifteen because I got it. I probably swapped them. But anyhow, um, the the idea is that like, hey, if you if you get this right, everything else will kind of fall in line. But focus focus first on what's important. Um, so yeah, anyhow, I thought of that story when I was like. As I was yesterday, kind of yeah. putting more of it together, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is definitely going in there." Um, but yeah, so fantastic, fantastic. So, any other thoughts on it? Ten to seventeen. So now I'm going to read eighteen, uh, just because it ties everything together. Um, it ties the next passage that we're going to read with the passage that we've read beforehand. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And that's, this is where it really starts to get intense, right? Because before he's just healing people on the day that's, that's not good and people are pretty cranky about it. But now he's effectively blaspheming. He's saying, hey, like, God's my dad. And that's no bueno. Um, and realistically speaking, it's really not okay today either, right? Like, if somebody started saying, hey, I'm God, you're like, okay, when's everybody supposed to drink the Kool-Aid? Because i got to call 911, right? Like, that's, that's my job here. Um, that's a reference to a cult leader. I don't know if you guys got that. There was a cult leader that had everybody drink Kool-Aid and everybody died. It was poison Kool-Aid. Anyhow, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. He thought he was Jesus, and it was the second coming, and it was he convinced everybody. Anyhow, That's Jim Jones. Yes, Jim Jones. Um, so that's that's kind of the point: is that Jesus was different than all these other uh, fake news people um, that have claimed to be God. And but Jesus is effectively Jesus is coming in and setting this. Hey. Here's, here's what's happening, and my dad's still working, so I'm still working. Um, and so then they're, they're all prepping to kill him. So now we get into 19 and on, and this is a whole monologue from Jesus. It's one of the longer sections I can ever, I can remember Jesus just like talking without getting interrupted, without, without saying anything else, without answering any questions. He's just going. So what we're going to do... I really want to be careful because I want to break this up the right way. Because if we don't, if we don't get to all of it, you know what? We can we cannot get to all of it as long as we stop at like twenty nine or something. 
Um, so we'll see what we're feeling like. Uh, but let's go 19 to 29. Let's read the whole section, if that's cool. Who wants it? I can do it. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. Is it 19 to 29? Yep. Okay. Jesus gave him this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but he has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me, who sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. All right. There's a lot there. What do you guys think? I think it's funny that it says, like, Jesus gave them this answer. We have no idea what the question was, or if there was a question, or Jesus decided to start monologuing. You know, like, I'm really curious. Yeah. Because it said, like, what they were thinking or whatever, but it doesn't say what their actual response to him was. Yeah. I kind of wonder if, if they, like, shut up and kept silent because they were just, like, so in shock at what he was saying, or if Jesus was just like, all right, everybody's mouths off, like, just, like, held everybody's tongue so that he could get it all out. Yeah. This isn't like really um, specifically for this passage, but I just love how often Jesus says very truly because he's never lying. <laughs> like he's just always true. He's like very truly and not even just truly or sometimes it's truly, truly like he's just truth, truth, truth. Like I love to see it. Yeah. Sometimes I just circle how many times I see the word truly and like mm-hmm. he is the truth. He is the life. It's interesting how he just like kind of lays out this like I guess for lack of a better term balance of power between himself and the father and how like the the different roles that they fulfilled but the fact that they also like work together and have the same goal interesting yeah Yeah, it's a really bizarre kind of thing. And a, a lot of people, I think, have a lot of t- trouble understanding it. But my kind of mindset is like, well, have you ever... Have you ever loved somebody? And if you have, have you ever wanted to like really impress that person or do what they wanted you to do? Not because you wanted anything from them, but just because you really care about them. Well, ta-da. Hello. Boom. It's not perfect, okay? It's not a perfect correlation, but just give you a little bit of taste of it. There you go. 
That's kind of my take. So I'm going to read one of the commentary like paragraphs here, and so get over it. Um, <laughs> this is for 24 through 29. Our Lord declared his authority and character as the Messiah. The time was come when the dead should hear his voice as the Son of God and live. Our Lord first refers to his raising those who were dead in sin to newness of life by the power of the Spirit, and then to his raising the dead in their graves. The office of... I do not know why I had written this one down. <laughs> Never mind, we're going to be done anyhow. Um, maybe we believe his testimony and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, never mind, fake news. I do not know why this is the paragraph I wrote. I must have wrote the wrong one. Oh, well, anyhow. Any other notes on 19 through 29? <laughs> I was terrible. <laughs> I was like, what? This gives like no information. I I think the wording is interesting in um verse twenty five when he says the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So he kind of mentions the word hear twice. Like, mm-hmm. the dead will hear the voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Like, mm-hmm. he kind of repeats it in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because a lot of people hear, but not a lot of people hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And this is where it's, it's in a couple different... I, I don't... So the previous two stories have only been in the Gospel of John. So the... The man at Bethesda, or Bethesda, depending on whatever a translation, and then um, the Samaritan. yeah, this, no, not the Samaritan woman. The um, the no, the forty-six to fifty-four, whatever that was. Um, the kid. That oh, the, yeah, the, the kid. Yeah. Uh, thank you. There you go. I, I can't remember its short-term memory. It hasn't gotten the long-term yet. You know this, anyhow. Um, so. Yeah, those two stories are only in the Gospel of John, but this is in other places, and effectively, it's the place where Jesus says, um, like, hey, God gave me charge over everything, um, and God has put me uh, in this position, and I have the capacity to make whatever decisions um, I decide to make. And that's where 27 comes in, and he's like, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Um, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so it's amazing. It's just amazing to kind of set the perspective there. And I really liked what you had to say. Like, he does, he does use it twice. Um, the, the dead will hear and those who hear. Um, it's like a... It's like a math proof. I knew I was going to catch crap from especially those two on that one if I talked about math proofs. But like A equals B, then B equals A. Mm -hmm. I wonder if um, in the Greek, if there were two different words that both mean here, but maybe one means Thank you, Hannah. BLB in it. I love it. She's going to blue letter Bible concordance. The NLT version says, and those who listen will live. So mm-hmm. not simply hearing, but actually listening. Yeah. And I think well, we're going to find out whether or not that's 
a translation or whether or not that's actually true. Strong's concordance, Hannah. Fact check. Blue check mark on Twitter. Anyhow. Um, yeah. Any other? Do you have any? No, never mind. Verse like 28 it. does say that all of, all of those who are in their graves will hear his voice. Yeah. I'm dead and I hear somebody talking. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically. I think it's more to say like before you like everybody's in their grave before they accept Jesus as their savior. Like um mm. they're we're all dead men walking until we accept Jesus in our hearts and profess him as our Lord and Savior that he's we were in desperate need for a savior to be pulled out of our graves. And he was the one to do it. He's the one to save us. You know? So it's more of like a metaphor kind of type thing. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. And it can be both. Right? Like, I don't know. You know, there's the... I guess maybe Lazarus did hear a dead voice. <laughs> <laughs> or a voice. Dead voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and then I immediately think of the, uh, the translation where it talks about, like, 500 people just... Big chilling, walking around after Jesus dies, uh, or Jesus, yeah, after Jesus dies, because uh, like like there's just 500 people. Like Abraham's walking around, Moses is walking around. You're like, what the heck? What's going on? Um, that's a very cool story, but that again goes beyond the scope of this lesson. Um, <laughs> I'm not giving that one, um, but yeah. Anyhow, it's a it it makes me think of that one, and it's like, okay, well, are these like, are these, not ghosts, but, like, is it their spirit, like, and or is it their physical form, and is, um, is this something that we can see, is it something that is going on in the spiritual realm, all these, all these questions immediately flood to mind, because um, it could be both, right, it could be, like, the spiritual um, aspect of us being dead on the inside, um, and then the spiritual aspect of them being dead physically, and then also you know, hearing what Jesus has got to say. Did you do? Did you find anything? Tell me again the verse. Read the verse that you're going to talk about. Uh, ba, 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 24, 25. 25. Hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. See, yeah, mine says something different. Yeah, KJV probably translates it differently. <coughs> I'm like KJV. It's right true that time. Like, time's coming. And has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and as you hear, oh, he says he, it's the same. Yeah. Ah, same word. There you go. Points to both you for checking, and then you for like your note. Your note now stands on a little bit of legs when it comes to the here and here. No idea. Uh, but yeah, anyhow, really cool. I like it a lot. Any other notes on this passage before we wrap up on John 5? All right, fantastic. Who wants to take... I can separate this into two. We can separate this into two. But not easily. Because like, there's not a good breaking point. No, who wants to read 30 through 47? It's a longer passage. I can do it. Go for it. 
I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. John was like a burning and a shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they proved that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Drop mic. Right? It's like, Sad. there's Sad. so Sad. much that happens there, which is why I was like, it has to be read in one, one piece. So, take a minute, if you don't mind, and we're just going to sit here quietly, and then until somebody finds something that they're like, that is crazy. Reread it quietly in your own head and just be like, wow, that's a, that part's nuts. reminds me of a video I watched, um, verses 39 and 40 especially. Uh, there's this Christian living in Jerusalem who was interviewing a bunch of Jewish people in Jerusalem because he had heard a rumor that um, in the synagogues there they don't read from Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. which is the chapter with like all the Messianic prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so he was like interviewing these people on the street and reading them reading to them aloud, Isaiah 53, and he was like, um, yeah, have you guys ever talked about this in synagogue? And I'm like, no. So he reads it aloud for them, and he's, and he's like, is there anybody in all of history that theoretically could fit this description? And they're like, I guess the only person would be Yeshua, which is Jesus. And I just think it's really interesting that, like, it, it's, it, it's the same thing now, that the, it's like it's all here, whether it's Moses or Isaiah or any of these other biblical authors it's like right there but yeah people just don't, don't listen to it it's really neat how like particularly the prophecies come true it's it's spectacularly awesome they they talked about this a few weeks ago in lighthouse and it was kind of what she was saying about the religion versus the relationship and how you can know who jesus is but the critical part is knowing jesus and so if you 
study the scriptures your whole life, but you never develop that relationship with God, then your faith is meaningless. Your yeah. whole belief in God is meaningless. Yeah, like you can know every verse by verse, word by word of the Bible, but if you don't have the Spirit dwelling in you, or in your heart, God in your heart, then it doesn't mean anything, you know? And you should do both. Yes. But it's more yes. important yes. to have the Spirit I'm, I'm just your saying heart. somebody could out, yeah. outverse you and Absolutely. not even have, not even have that... Um, Mm-hmm. That like moment with Jesus, but it's like, yeah. I mean, any Jew could do that. Any Jew could outburst all of us at a minute, and that yeah. is the thing of like, nor does His word dwell in you like that dwell yes. in abiding, like that abiding word where it's like, all of the word of the Old Testament was memorized by these scholars. Like mm-hmm. that was their entire life was right. memorizing, and they could quote you the entire Bible basically. Yeah. Like that was their life, and yet, it was in them, but it didn't abide in them. That's like a almost scary challenge to be like when we are reading and when we are studying like are we studying the words or are we like seeking the writer right when we're doing that like what is what is he trying to reveal to us through his scripture Mm -hmm. today because you know it's like a living word his his word is living so it's not just like a regular book that you just pick up any day If, if you don't have the spirit then the word isn't living it's just another book it's just another words on the page but with the spirit it makes the word living and, and it applies to your life every day and you can read the same verse over and over and it means something every week something new every week because he's like if you're seeking Jesus he'll reveal to you what, what he's trying to say to you through his word like this is the closest you, you know like I don't know <laughs> What do you guys think about the way that Jesus talks about JTV? It's John the... That's a uh, cool people slang for John the... <laughs> Jesus talks about... He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. I feel like he's kind of calling him out because they're like... He said, like, oh, yeah, you guys followed John, and then you followed, like, Moses. But then when I came, like, you didn't you didn't believe in me. You didn't accept me, even though I'm, like, like greater than them, because I was sent from God. That was who John was talking about. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so I feel like he was calling them out and being like, like, how could you guys not believe me or accept me if I'm the one that God sent? And, like, I'm the one that, yeah, John was talking about. Yeah. essentially in comparison with John the Baptist and Moses like John the Baptist and Moses never claimed to be the Messiah they never claimed to be mm-hmm. the Son of God they never claimed to be somebody great that they would have read about or anything like right. that and so they were safe they were the safer options to follow because they're like hey you, you're just like me essentially like right. yeah you're special but you're not 
superhuman. The special yeah. person, right? So now all of a sudden, the most special person that you'll ever meet in your life is like before you, and it's like this tension between realizing your own humanity and how small you are in comparison to this great big person that is rightfully you know that way and so in 44 he says no wonder you can't believe for you gladly honor each other but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God it's like it's easy to seek approval from our friends and people that like Mm -hmm. us and people that know us and you know and hang our hat on that but when it comes to like no you you are privileged and you can step into an honor from the Lord from God it's like no that's too much I'm sorry like I'd rather you might not like me or there's X number of reasons why we can put in place of like we we aren't deserving of or earning of God's approval we get in our own heads about that and so it's like that I can see that having kept people from believing that the Messiah is who he says he is because it's like I'm not worthy you're not worthy, but that's the point. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's just very interesting to me. Verse forty four, like, no wonder you don't believe. Like, you can't you can't accept the honor that I, as God, give you. But you're gladly gonna accept it from someone who's like you. That might be like a pride thing too. Like, you're saying you're bigger than me. Like, you know. Right. What do you think about Jesus kind of painting them into a corner in verses 46 and 47? For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So he's effectively kind of pinning them in and saying, hey, if you believe, it comes back to math, if A equals B, B equals A. Uh, so, So if you believe if you believe Moses, then you'll believe what I have to say because Moses wrote about me. Uh, but if you don't believe Moses, then what do you really believe about anything, right? And it's just kind of abandoning your whole faith entirely. And so really kind of paints them into a corner, right? Or their belief entirely. I won't call it faith just for the sake of consistency in what Jesus says about their lack of faith. Any other thoughts, comments, concerns, observations, statements, beliefs, understandings? I always try to go on for a little bit too long with those. I like how the lights flicker every once in a whenever they decide to. (laughs) (laughs) What are you, an NPC over here? Must have been the wind. (laughs) Uh, For me, I don't know if it's like for me, if he seems like he's angry at these people or like in disbelief that he's like, how can you read about me and be taught about me for so many years? And now that I'm actually here, you don't believe anymore. I think it's just like crazy that he's like, how can you guys be like this? Like he's like in disbelief, but not, I don't know if he'd be like angry. Cause I don't know if he'd be angry at these people. It's just to me, it seems like he's like you have followed all of these people, you have read about me, you have studied me, you have done so much work into reading about me, and now that I'm actually here, you just brush me aside. And I just think it's, like, like yeah. crazy. Yeah, you took the football to the one-yard line and then just set it down. Yeah. 
That's enough work for today. Yeah. I think I think part of that is that the Jews were almost expecting a military leader to free them from Rome. And Jesus didn't exactly come in as a military leader. He came in as a baby and like grew up as a carpenter and performed mm-hmm. these miracles. He didn't exactly come in and free them from Rome like Jews mm-hmm. thought that he would. Yeah. So it might it might have been different from the expectations that they had. But isn't that such a good parallel for us though? Like we're like like we are reading the same Bible that they were reading and we don't study even a quarter mm-hmm. as hard as they did. They know those prophecies inside and out. Right. And yet they didn't recognize Jesus. Like how much of a cautionary tale is that to us of like hundred percent. How much do we miss of God because mm-hmm. we get all stuck in our own box? Yeah. of not, like, recognizing how his power affects us today, you know? Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of Christians, like, don't believe healing is a thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Because they've decided that healing was a thing Jesus did and his disciples did, and all of a sudden it just went away and it stopped. But do we read the scriptures? Do we believe it's the same spirit that was on the disciples that's on us now? Mm-hmm. Then why would we believe that's gone? You know, same with speaking in tongues, same with all of these things that, you know, we saw happen in the Bible. Why would we not believe for those things? And that's the exact same thing that people will look at us, you know, in the future when revival comes they'd be like why did they not see this like it was right there the whole time yeah so like that is always very challenging to me because mm-hmm. i'm like i don't want to be that person in the future looking back and being like how did i miss so much of what god was offering me yeah. because i decided he couldn't do it or he wasn't going to do it in my time when it's clearly stated that he can and he wants to and he will yeah mm-hmm. and then there's also like obedience that goes into that because i think there's a lot of distractions there's an enemy constantly trying to pull us away and distract us so like mm-hmm. there's also faith and obedience in that like how do we spend our time are we looking for god are we seeking him are we seeking his his signs and wonders like you know what at the end of the day are we asking ourselves like okay where did i see god today what was he trying to tell me today did i spend enough time with him today instead of like how much time was i on my phone or how much time was i watching tv or whatever like there's like an uh like an acting of, of obedience in that and fighting off the enemy who's trying to like put us to sleep like don't worry about it you know look at tiktok that's my that's my problem <laughs> but um but yeah like we don't want to miss what he's doing right now today by being distracted there's discipline that goes into it I'm reading through Exodus again right now, um, right at the part where like God is sending all the plagues on Egypt, and it's kind of the same thing where like Pharaoh sees the plagues and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy!" Like, okay, you guys can go because like, yeah. you know, obviously the, the Lord is is the true God and whatever. And then they leave, and then he you know he hardens his heart and he's like, "Nah, you yeah. just can't leave." Um, and it's just you, know, you see. In, in that story that it just becomes a slippery slope to the point where he can obviously recognize that these plays are coming from God um, but he, he's at a point where he has become so stubborn that he even though he knows he, he like really knows in his heart of hearts um, that it's the right thing to do to let them go he, he can't because he's kind of put himself down, down that path for so long and I think I mean, I think within the scriptures, as we see the Pharisees continue to interact with Jesus, it's kind of the same thing where they just kind of like put themselves on, on this path of being closed off to who Jesus is and then become more stubborn as it as it goes along. Yeah. Just kind of a vicious cycle there. Yeah. And it's, 
I think a lot of times, to your point, right, it's this knowledge that gets in the way. We don't really know that much. But when we start, we think we know something, and then we're like, oh, it gets in the way. And I think that's what Paul is talking about uh, in a verse I really like. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 8 um, that he talks about. Um, all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? And that's the 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 difference there. And I struggle with it more than anyone. I will, I think everybody knows that I'm a random fact guy, right? And I like learning and I, I, I try to learn as much as humanly possible. Um, but it can definitely get in the way, right? Of, because it's, it, it puffs up, right? It doesn't necessarily benefit you in the way that you would hope it would. Um, or you use it as a crutch or you use it as a, like a, a safety or, or a, a security net, right? Where you can say, okay, this is, at least I know something or whatever, right? So I think uh, I think that's really where it comes into. And to your point, Hannah, yeah, there was one time I was having a conversation with some Presbyterian people uh, who, Presbyterians do not believe that healing happens in our day and age. And I deliberately went out of my way to give them my testimony about uh, some healings I had seen that are definitely supernatural. It was a good time. It was a good time. Um, about somebody they knew. Like, somebody they knew. I was like, ask them about it. They're like, no, I will not. <laughs> well, their leg grew two inches, so get wrecked. <laughs> um, it was a good time. So. Any other thoughts? I'm not going to go through my full thing. Thoughts, comments? Observations? Alrighty then, challenge time. Challenge time. What do you guys think the challenge is for this week? And no, I'm not like Michael Scott where I'm just going to get the first thing that you guys say. Um, now the challenge I have this week is, um, so you talked a little bit about the living word and things like that. So my, my challenge for you is to see something that is normal, quote unquote, in your everyday life this week and then find something that have have something click in your head where you're like wow that's a lot like this in the bible something could be anything might require you to be like reading a little bit throughout the week just so you're like oh wow that's exactly like oh david i was reading about this oh uh so, like, the, the example I'm thinking of is if you're having a conversation with somebody and they say something that's actually, like, maybe a concept from the Bible or something like that. So, like, um, like the golden rule. Everybody knows the golden rule, even though people, like, don't know, don't listen to the Bible or believe that it's to be true. They believe it to be the golden rule. Um, so if you hear something like that this week, think about it and go, oh, wow, snap. And then write it down in a note and bring it back. That's the challenge this week. The breeze feels amazing. He really likes the challenge you picked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or doesn't? <laughs> oh my yeah, guess we'll never know. He's throwing things up out there. What's that? That's our, that's our challenge fulfilled already. The wind and the wind in the cave with like a dry guns out. Boom. Just kidding. Yeah, exactly. No, it's that's exactly right. It's Where's the. the but his voice was not in the wind. His voice was not in the wind. Just still small voice. Anyhow. Um, that, cool. that challenge, 
actually happens to me like quite often and it goes back to like the whole living word thing where you can read the same story over and over but like think about whatever you're going through in your life currently and somehow it just speaks directly to that and you're like how have I read this so many times but this week it's like answering so much mm -hmm. you know that's just the living word spirit power it's just crazy and, and so sometimes it just unintentionally happens or you don't even have to seek it out it's just like you're going through something in your life or whatever and then Sunday message is speaking directly to you that and you're like okay good I get it you're good like extremely called out. Oh, I got, that's the reason I'm at the church I'm at. I got absolutely roasted by God to come to the church that I'm at. It was, it was a good time. But, but yes, yeah, so that's a good exact example. So knowing that it comes easy to you, then uh, you'll have no trouble coming up with that. We'll watch this week. I'm going to be like, okay, God, you're silent on me now. So, so you need to jot it down in a note because there's two weeks till our next study. So make sure to jot it down in a note. So that you have it. Um, put it in the chat. <coughs> oh, I'll put it in the group chat. Yes, the challenge. I'll put it in the chat. Um, but make sure to make sure when it happens and when it, when you think of it, jot it down in the note. Hopefully, it happens like a bunch of times. But jot it down in the Maybe note. Maybe after Taco Bell tonight. Throw it in there. Maybe after Taco Bell tonight. <laughs> Anyhow, jot it down in the note so that you have it for when you come in two weeks because it's going to be like, it's going to be easy to forget. So, fantabulous, guys. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer and then we'll separate into guys and gals group. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the joy that it is to gather with people that are within our rough age range and talk about you. Um, I just pray that you would continue to be with, with us throughout this week. Um, I pray that, like Ben said last week, that you would really kind of set our focus on you and um, set our desires to be your desires so that we can do your will and not our own. I just pray that you would continue to be with us throughout this week. Continue to show us and reveal yourself to us and reveal your um, how you are actively working in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fantastic. Well, two new girls are in the group, so obviously we get wrecked. You would have gotten wrecked even more here. I know. You would have been gone anyway. <laughs>